Hello, hello, and welcome to my podcast. Natasha here. We are reversing trauma with a lot of fun on this podcast by gently confronting your ego so you can find within this space a safe environment to question, to ponder, and to learn, and also to show up as your worst self and still deserve love. Hello, hello, and welcome to the sixth episode of the podcast. I have no idea when I'm ever going to stop counting them. I'm just so excited that I still like to count them. (laughs) So on today's episode, I want to share with you guys the wonderful world of Ayurveda. Okay, so I'm even choosing this topic to introduce it into this into this podcast before I talk about yoga. And I'm like all in for the yoga, certified yoga teacher, you know what I mean? Like yoga is like a huge part of my life. And why I'm choosing to talk about Ayurveda first is because I feel like it's even more powerful, to be honest. And I think we all know how powerful yoga is supposed to be, right? So imagine if Ayurveda is even more powerful. So I want to share with you guys today kind of what this is, what the basics are, and again, I want to let you off the hook because I'm sure that there's a bunch of stuff in your life that you've got a bunch of judgment about that you've always wondered, like, what the fuck is this? And Ayurveda is actually, it, it's it's like, It's like, I can see clearly now the rain has gone. Like literally, that's how I feel whenever I think of Ayurveda and what it's delivered to me in my life. So first of all, what is Ayurveda? And basically, it is a sister science of yoga. Even I would say that, okay, so let's go a little bit into history mode. Like a really long time ago, (laughs) there are these people that wrote these books called the Vedas. So I'm not a history buff. I I like the history. I think it's interesting. But for me to repeat it here is actually quite difficult. I guess I could have looked this up. But basically, um, about 5,000 years ago, uh, there was Vedic culture was born. And so actually, I've been told, and again, don't quote me on this. This is just kind of like for the fun of the story, I guess, that um, these rishis, there were seven rishis. And I think that they came apparently like from Persia or something. Um, one of my friends told me, um, and they basically came to India and they were sages. So Rishi is actually just, uh, just means sage. And so what these sages did was that basically they were super connected to God. They were meditating all these universal truths. They were just like download after download of like how this universe works. And this again was like, you know, 5,000, maybe 6,000 years ago. I don't know about, about that, you know, like roughly. And this was what was called, um, um, the era of Satyog. So this was like the light era. This is when it was a time where there was a lot more, um, I guess, connection with people and nature. And I mean, you can imagine what life was like 5,000 years ago, right? And so all of these amazing truths that were channeled through these amazing sages were put into books. And these books are called the Vedas. Actually, I think they're technically called the Holy Vedas. I don't know if you have to say the Holy or not. I think it's like saying the Bible and the Holy Bible. 
So these Vedas, actually, there's four of them, and they cover everything from architecture uh, to, you know, um, to warrior, like, poses and stuff and like how to fight and they that's where yoga comes from and they have one about health you know that's where Ayurveda comes from and they have all this stuff about like you know the stages of life and it's basically like these books that have like all of these like super amazing it's just like this guide this guidebook to life right on on all of its spheres and so actually just interesting fact yoga comes from the Vedas as well and <clears throat> Yoga comes um, from the same Veda that like the warrior stuff comes from. So it's all like really super connected. And Ayurveda also comes from the Vedas. And yoga and Ayurveda are actually, in my opinion, not separate sciences. They're often called sister sciences. But I think that actually it's a little bit of a crime. Do you know, I'm just going to go and freaking say it. It's a crime to be separating them because they're so intimately connected that I feel like actually now, 5,000 years later, as we practice yoga, it's not even yoga. Like if you don't know about Ayurveda and you're teaching yoga, it's basically Pilates. Like it's it, it, because Ayurveda really understands the body in, in, in its whole functioning and so does yoga and yoga is looking at it from, you know, this very like this path to enlightenment and yogasana. So yoga is actually a path to enlightenment. Yogasana is actually different. Asana means pose. So it's the actual yoga poses that we do, like actually being on a yoga mat. That is not actually yoga. You can be yoga. Yoga actually means union. Okay. I am getting like way off topic here, but I swear it's all going to come together. So the yogasana that we do with the body is all about uh, basically helping the energy move and is being able to allow your body to be in a state where you can practice the other branches of yoga, which are like not self-harm and meditation and like blah, 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 right? A whole bunch of other stuff, which is not what this episode is about. Okay, Natasha, it's not about this. <laughs> And so Ayurveda and yoga are very, very intimately connected because of, you know, the whole fact that we're working with the body. So Ayurveda also works with the mind and also works with the spirituality, but of course is a health system that's mainly focused on the body. So Ayurveda allows us to see the world through a lens where everything is one of three elements, so to say. So what happens is that you've got all five elements, right? You've got space, which is ether, also it's called. Then you have air, and then you have fire, and then you have water, and then you have earth. So when I did my Ayurvedic course, the way that they explained it is that they drew an atom and they were like, look, in the atom, you've got space, you've got air, you've got fire, and you've got all of that. Everything's in the atom, so everything is made up of these things, and it made total sense. And it was like three years ago, so I can't remember exactly what it is, and I'm sorry. So maybe... <laughs> Maybe I'll make another episode, but basically the universe is made up of this. If you don't want to believe it, you don't have to. Um, but for the sake of Ayurveda, we're just going to take into consideration that it's true and it makes a lot of sense. So these five elements come together and they create the three doshas. So they kind of create, they, they kind of have 
three sub elements, if you want to call it that way, just to kind of visualize it easily. So you've got vata, which is air and ether that, you know, have this like special connection. So they're like this one thing, vata. Um, to make it easy, we're just going to call it air. Then you've got pitta, which is mainly fire, uh, like maybe like an 85% fire and then like a 15% water. So it's fire and water together, uh, mainly fire though. So we're just going to call it fire. And then you've got kapha, which is uh, earth and water. So water and earth come together and they're kapha. So to make it easy, we're just going to call it earth. Um, just so that, you know, because I don't expect you to remember vata, pitta and kapha right, like right away like this. So we're just going to refer to them as air, fire and earth. So uh, these elements basically make up the whole entire world because obviously they come from the five elements that make up the whole entire world. So now the way that it works as a human is that we have all of these three elements. We've got the air, we've got the fire, we've got the earth, Vata Pitta Kapha in us. And oftentimes our bodies, well not oftentimes, all the time, our body has a dominant element which is going to determine your body typology. Now, there is obviously Vata dominant, Pitta dominant, Kapha dominant. And then you've got like dual Prakritis. So Prakriti means nature. So when we see what is the element that is dominant in your body, that is your nature, right? So it's really, really beautiful because in Ayurveda and in yoga and even in Indian like philosophy and culture, there is this very common awareness of what is the nature of something. And I don't know if it's just because like I was really young when I left the West or if it's just something that I feel like our Western minds don't really consider or take into consideration, but basically the nature of something is 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 its is its natural way of being it's the nature of something is kind of unchangeable it's it's what you're born with so your prakriti is what you are born with right like that is your that is your nature and that's just what your body functions on and that's just that's just it there's no, every single dominant body type has its advantages and disadvantages or whatever, you know what I mean? It's really just that like this is the nature, right? The nature of a rock is not the same as the nature of a flower, right? The nature of the rock is so different and the nature of the flower and then the nature of the river is different, right? The river is flowing. Whereas the nature of the pond, the pond is still, right? That is its, that is its natural state. That is the place that it has in nature, right? And so why am I putting so much emphasis on this is because in today's day and age, we are not taking into consideration what is our nature most of the time. I'm, I'm, I'm really generalizing here. Lots of the times we're not taking into consideration what is our nature and we are trying to adapt ourselves to live according to what's happening outside of us without respecting our nature. And that is where imbalances come from and that's where unhealthiness comes from and that's where disease is created. So this is basically what Ayurveda thinks and your nature is is really your gift. You know, I believe that everyone that is born with their nature there there is a reason, right? It's not just like a fluke like random thing. 
Now, okay, opening up another parenthesis here, according to Ayurveda, actually, um, there are different things that will influence someone's prakriti, someone's body type. So it's going to be the quality of the ovum, this quality of the sperm. It's going to be, um, you know, how was the pregnancy? How was nutrition? What were the stress levels? What was the environment like? What was the weather like, etc. So there's a whole bunch of stuff that will actually influence someone's body type um, that can be kind of quote-unquote controlled and other things that that can't be so again I'm so sorry guys I guess I could have brushed up on this information I'm just kind of going with what I remember from like three years ago um but I guess this the important stuff is is not the details right so your nature why do we care what our nature is so here vata pitta kapha right three different natures. Now I'm going to be really personal here and share with you guys how this has changed things for me. So, okay. Example. I am a pitta body type. Actually, I'm a pitta kapha. So, um, oh, I don't know if I said that. Okay. You can have body types and you can have dual body types as well. Dual prakritis. So the dual prakritis, um, it's when you have, you know, a dominance of one and then a kind of slight dominance of the other as well. So my body type is Pitta Kapha. So I am mainly fire. I've got a lot of earth still as well, but I'm mainly fire. And so one of the symptoms of being mainly fire is that you have a hot body. Did I just say that I was super hot? I mean, ah. <laughs> so your body temperature is actually higher, right? Is, is, is actually more, yeah, like it's, it's a higher temperature. So Pitta people have a tendency to sweat a lot more. And when I was in high school, it was like the most embarrassing shit ever because I would always have those like sweat patches underneath my arms, okay? And to this day now in my life, I pretty much refuse slash hate wearing a t-shirt, okay? Because it grosses me out to sweat and then to feel the sweat underneath my arms and it's so gross and it's like, and I was traumatized from high school because you know, you're not allowed to wear tank tops in high school, right? You have to wear like t-shirts because of like dress code and shit. So I was like, it, it's just, it's ugh. And I thought that was so gross for the longest time. And even now, maybe if you're listening to this, you're like, oh my God, I didn't want to hear this girl talk about her sweat. Uh, but it's, it's something very, very normal for Pitta body types. So can you imagine that at age 15, 16, 17, I would literally be so embarrassed. I would feel so bad about my body. I wasn't understanding what was going on in my body. Why was I so sweaty? There was like maybe like one or two other girls I remember that had like the same problem. And I actually, now that I think about it, if I look at those girls and I remember about them, I'm like, actually, those girls were also Pitta, I'm pretty sure. So now that I know this, I have so much more acceptance for my sweaty armpits. <laughs> like, no joke, because I'm like, oh, it's not that I'm weird. It's not that I'm gross. It's not that there's something wrong with my body. It's just that I made a fire. 
Like I'm made of fire. I'm hot. I'm going to sweat more easily. That's just what I do. That's just how my body works. And there's so many other amazing advantages that come with being Pitta. You know, I'm like a super entrepreneurial person. Like I really, you know, I'm determined. I'll go and get what I want. You know, I, I, I'm like really smart. You know, all these things come from being Pitta also. So I hope this is starting to make sense to you in, in how I feel like this is so powerful. Now, another thing, so a kapha body type, a kapha body type has a tendency to be heavier, to carry weight. That's the nature of the body. The nature of kapha is to carry more weight. Okay. And so I know that weight is a huge thing thing in society, right? And basically I spent most of my life again judging my body. Oh, why are my thighs so big? You know, why, why do I, you know, why do I have this? Like I was literally like, I'm a teenager and I've got hello fat, you know, like why? What is this? I don't understand, you know, because my body is a body that is going to hold on to flesh, right? It's going to hold on to the like the mass and the matter right that that's that's the nature of my body it 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 creates it it stores it that's what it does that's that's it's that's it's that's that's how it is <laughs> so for me when i understood that it was kapha i stopped wanting my body to look like a vata body type. So vata body types are very slim. Vata body types are the type of people that you see that, you know, eat and eat and eat and they never gain weight. And then you've got kapha people that they're like, I took one bite and I gained 10 pounds. You know what I mean? And so these two body types actually just like parenthesis over here, vata and kapha are actually opposites. Uh, the only thing that they have in common is that they are both cold in nature. So vata body types and kapha body types are completely opposite. So I spent my whole entire life wanting to be a vata body type. Why? Because that's what society says when you're super slim. Look at the models. Oh my God, I'm fat. Nah, nah, nah. Like I wish I just wish I was slim. And I still catch my brain when I, when I, when I see different bodies where I'm like, oh, I wish I was skinny like that. And it's really seriously just like a conditioning programming thing where I still have the neural pathways that believe that my value as a human being comes from how I look and how much approval I get from others, especially about my body and my sexuality, which isn't healthy, but I mean, it, it is what it is, right? Like we're all conditioned. So it was a relief for me to learn about body types because when I learned about the kapha and how I have this kapha in my body and wow, this, this is also the reason why I probably didn't go batshit crazy like the rest of my family because kapha people actually do have a tendency to be a little bit more mentally, um, mentally stable in a way because of that stability. Like really imagine a mountain, right? Imagine a mountain versus a tornado. So when trauma hits a tornado, that tornado like spins into a hurricane, right? And when trauma hits a mountain, well, the mountain doesn't move that much, right? It kind of chips away if we want to visualize it that way. So when I look at my family and I look at 
the women in my family as well. I look at my mother, I look at my cousin, and I look at them and I'm like, oh, they look like they have Vata body types actually. And those bitches bat shit cray cray, you know what I'm saying? Like, I am here breaking generational trauma, getting out of drugs, healing myself and all that shit, you know, being like, all like, you know, trying to be like, just not crazy. Like this is my priority here. And one of the number one things that has helped me to be able to stay stable throughout all of the trauma that I've lived since being a very young child, is it possible that being a Kapha body type has allowed me to, 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 to work through and to live through this life in, in, in a more stable way inside my body? Has my trauma been easier for me to deal with because of the Kapha body type? Or has it been different for me to deal with, right? And, and my answer is, is yes, totally, yes. Oh my gosh, that's so amazing. Because mental stability is so important. So can you imagine how the relationship with my thunder thighs has changed, right? I'm like, now I look at them and I'm like, yeah, you don't look like I wish you did because I'm conditioned and that's okay. But in reality, thank you so much, body, for being the amazing temple that you are and for allowing me to, to be me, right? So if it wasn't for the fact that I have this kapha body type, maybe I wouldn't even be able to be here in, in this existence that I am. Of course I wouldn't because everything, everything is what it is perfectly in this moment. So if this is the body that I was given, it's because this is the body in which the life that I am, I am, I am gifted to live as this body is the most beautiful life that I could ever be gifted. So for you guys, I want to quickly go through the body types. I think you've kind of got it quickly, but I'm really going to give like super stereotypical, um, you know, um, characteristics of these, of these body types and know that it's rarely anyone that's like super pitta or super vata. There's always, everyone has their different proportion, right? Let's say that we're looking at hundred percent, you know, someone could be 50% vata and then, you know, 10% kapha and 40% pitta and someone can be, all the percentages are possible. So vata is lean, it's dry, it's cool. Um, vata people, you know, they often are taller or shorter than the average and their metabolism is, you know, really, really quick in the sense that, you know, they, they can eat anything and they can eat a lot and they want to eat often. Basically, Vata, if you think about it, air and ether, they're just like, their body is kind of like a hole. <laughs> if you want to look at it that way. So these people can just eat forever and they're never going to gain weight. And then they, um, they also have a tendency to talk a lot and they have a tendency to be a little bit more excited and they have a tendency to um, actually be a little bit uh, more creative and, you know, to think a lot. And Vata people often, you know, they really like art and, you know, they really like creating things. And kind of like the shadow of Vata, if you want, is um, anxiety, stress, um, hyperactivity, and it's uh, also um, not wanting to eat or wanting to eat like way too much, way too often can also be like vata. So vata people also um, are very easily imbalanced because if you think about it, like let's say you imagine an incense stick and you know the smoke of an incense stick, you just have to like kind of like 
wave your finger around it, your hand around it, and that smoke is going to move. So vata for that reason um, is more easily imbalanced, is more easily uh, destabilized if you want in life. And even if you're not a vata body type, knowing that vata is the most easily deranged uh, dosha element of the body is really, really useful. So that's why it's really easy to get stressed out and anxious because it's a vata imbalance. Vata is the element that's the easiest to imbalance. And then you've got pitta, pitta, which is fire. So if you want to imagine this, it's actually like, imagine a ball of fire. So imagine vata is a hole and <laughs> pitta people are fires. So Fire people often have a really good metabolism. Okay, going back to vata, vata people often have nutrient deficiency because they'll eat a lot, but their body has a really hard time assimilating that nutrition. And so they're, they're, um, actually their immune systems have a tendency to be weaker as well. Okay, sorry, coming back to pitta. So pitta actually has a really good metabolism. Normally the nutrients are really well transformed. Um, pitta people have a tendency to be very determined. They're very sharp. Their skin is a little bit more oily. Um, they're gonna be warm, like warm hands, you know. They're gonna be people that are very determined, P often people that are leaders, people that do business. Pitta people um, have a tendency to be a little bit more uh, competitive as well. Um, kind of like the dark side of Pitta is being controlling, being angry very quickly. Um, as much as Vata gets stressed and anxious very quickly, Pitta gets, you know, angry and, uh, you know, that like that, 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 like that fire that comes up very, very quickly, right? You know, over angry, over competitive, etc. So each, each dosha has their, their, their shadow, right? And so Pitta people have a tendency to want to eat a lot, but not like, not as often as Vata people. So if you're Vata Pitta, like you want to eat all the time. <laughs> and Pitta people gain weight really easily. They'll lose weight really easily. As soon as they start exercising and eating healthy, they're going to lose the weight. They can also gain the weight super, super easily. A lot of Pitta people are actually, um, especially in the Western world, what I've noticed are overweight because of the quality of food and the quantity of food that they consume. And that just like the body just, just stocks weight really, really easily. Um, Pitta people sweat a lot, like we covered already. And <laughs> they're also going to have, if they're women, they're going to have more, uh, they're going to have more blood in, during their menstrual cycles. Um, they're just tendency to be like, I guess, more warm blooded people, if you want to put it that way, because they are pretty much just warmer, right? You know, have you, have you ever had those people, those friends where you're just like, they're like wearing a t-shirt and you're like, oh my God, I'm freezing over here. That's probably a Pitta person. Um, Vata people have a tendency to be very, very smart, like in, in an, in like in a very, like they understand things very, very quickly because Vata is speed. You know, it's very, very quick. Um, Pitta people have a very, have a tendency to be very intelligent in the way that they're very analytical. They're really able to connect dots. They understand things from a very logical point of view, even to the extent where sometimes they will overanalyze things and they, you know, they can get, they can get a little bit too logical with stuff, you know? And then you've got kapha, kapha, which is earth. So imagine, yeah, imagine like a, a mountain with a nice little waterfall on it. That's a perfect image for what a kapha person is, I guess, the nature of it. <laughs> so 
the kapha is, uh, the digestive system is a lot slower. The tendency to gain weight is there. However, contrary to pitta people, it's really difficult to lose that weight. So if you're a kapha and you're listening to this and you're rolling your eyes and you're like, of course, because you've probably spent, you know, your whole life feeling bad about your weight because that's what society fucking does to us, right? <laughs> and so... Um, Kapha people actually have a tendency to not want to eat that much. And that's why all of like modern calorie stuff and like diet stuff, I'm just like, I'm sorry, I'm going to go out and say it. It's pretty much bullshit. Not to say that it never works and there's never anyone that's ever done any kind of weight loss program that's, that's you know, that, that's, and it's never worked. But the thing is, is that unless you know about this, I don't understand how you can even help someone with their health. I don't know, for me it's just like absurd that this isn't even in, in modern medicine. So basically kapha people, they don't eat a lot and they will still gain weight really, really easily. Um, not necessarily, it's not like every kapha person is overweight either, but you're going to, you're going to notice that, you know, they don't, yeah, they're not, they're not scrawny, skinny people. They're, they're wider built people. Normally they're also uh, more cuddly. They're more compassionate. They're more empathetic. They're more loving, sensitive people. You're often going to find kapha people, um, you know, like, like, okay, you know, that typical, like, you know, like, like a little bit of like a bulky mom that's like in the kitchen baking pies. And if anything happens, she'll just sit with you and hold you. That's like a very typical kapha. So kapha people are very nurturing. Um, they, yeah, they, they're, they're home buddies. They, they're like a kapha person is like, I can stay in bed all day. No worries under these covers. Like that's fine. There's <laughs> like comfort zone. Kapha people are like that, you know? So, um, <clears throat> the kind of shadow of kapha can often be depression and it's often as well um, greed and possessiveness and these kinds of things. So all in all, kapha people actually have the uh, best uh, immune systems because basically kapha, okay, this is going to get super complicated again. Oh my gosh, there's so many elements to this. So kapha is the element that is going to nourish ojas. Ojas, which are the foundational element in the body that are going to help with the immune system. So now if you don't understand this, I'm so sorry, I even brought in these other words. Um, yeah, that, the only thing that I get, I really want you to get from this is that kapha has a better immune system, <laughs> just in general. And so now what's great about knowing about this is that if you want to increase your immune system, now you can increase your kapha, right? Or you can not increase, I don't even want to say increase because that's not the right word, nourish, right? You can balance it. That's the words that I want to use. And so if you want to also be able to have, you know, uh, more determination, then you can nourish your pitta. If you want to be able to have more creativity, then, and you know, have more energy, then you can nourish your vata, right? And again, everyone has all three elements. And sometimes you might think it's really weird because if I, because for me also, this is what happened. I look at my body, it looks pitta kapha, but then if I look at my personality and I look at, you know, the way that I act more in life, then it's, it's vata. 
and I'm not Vata, but my whole entire life, my nervous system has been deregulated. Hashtag PTSD trauma. So my nervous system being so deregulated was actually putting me in a position where I am living life like I was a Vata, but actually I'm not a Vata. So that's where dis-ease comes in. That's where imbalance in the body. And that's why basically like in my early 20s, I was diagnosed with IBS, irritable bowel syndrome. Irritable bowel syndrome that is in the colon, the colon that is the seat of vata. So all of these elements hang out in different parts in our body. The seat of pitta is the digestive system. The seat of kapha is like the lungs um, and, you know, like the whole... Uh, respiratory system and vata it's the colon it's also like the bones and other places but these are the major places so is there any surprise from an ayurvedic point of view that i've had consistent vata imbalance since childhood due to instability due to trauma and then in my early adulthood i have a huge vata imbalance in my colon no it just makes total sense oh but guess what when I went to the doctor when I was 23, they were like, well, you got IBS. This is a chronic uh, condition. Like, you're not going to heal from this, basically. You can only kind of just get used to it and cut out all these foods from your diet. And then I came to India, learned about Ayurveda, and realized it's just a vata imbalance. Like, oh my gosh. So my invitation for you uh, after listening to these 30 minutes is please, anything that is happening in your body, don't judge it. And I know we've been over judgment, but please accept your body as it is. And, and, and I really, really, really encourage you to, 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 to notice the pros and the cons of what body type you may have. And my second invitation is that whatever is happening in your body, whatever imbalance is happening, whatever dis-ease you have, whatever doctors have told you in the Western world, you don't have to listen to them. It's not true. It's not true. It's not. I don't believe it. I refuse to believe it. And I have seen so many people heal from Ayurveda. I myself have had such relief from my IBS. And at least if, I, if it's, it's still there, in a sense, it's way better than it was. And I know what to do with it now. And I don't take any medicine. I don't take any chemical medicines with any side effects. Any medicine that I take in Ayurveda always has side effects that are even more positive. Like literally I had this skin flare up once and I went to the Ayurvedic doctor and I was taking these powders that they were telling me to take. And then I had this heartburn and the heartburn was also going away. And I called the doctor and I said, Hey, my skin's way better. And my heartburn also went away. And she was like, yeah, because they were both connected. They were both Pitta. They were both a Pitta imbalance. My skin and my digestive system skin is also Pitta. And so if I would have gone to a normal doctor, then I would have probably been given a skin cream and uh, my fire element would have just been suppressed in my skin and it probably would have made my heartburn even worse or something like that. I don't know. But it wouldn't have cured my heartburn, that's for sure. <laughs> so the elemental wisdom that comes from Ayurveda, I really invite you to invite it into your life and yeah, to, to get curious about it. And if you want any more information about it, you can reach out to me. And I'm, I, I love Ayurveda. Honestly, I'm like this close. Imagine me hold, holding my thumb and my index finger very close to each other to committing to uh, studying, to becoming an Ayurvedic doctor. It's just that it's like seven years and I got commitment issues. So, <laughs> but that's how much I, I think it's amazing and a gift to the world. 
So this has been the longest episode. I hope you've learned something. Um, this is a really intense topic. I know it's super difficult as well without any visuals. And I know that I'm not always the most organized person when I start talking. Hashtag Vata. Are you getting it? Are you getting it? Now it's no longer like, oh, I'm so unorganized and crazy. It's just like, no, I got a lot of Vata. And, and, and that is what it is. So I do want to make more of these podcast episodes. I have been getting such amazing feedback. Thank you so much for listening. That's one of the reasons why I, I, I don't edit these podcasts is because if I'm going to start editing them, I'm never going to do it and I, and they're not going to be posted. And I do trust that there is value in what I'm saying, even if the way I'm saying it isn't always perfect and the most organized, even if there might be some background noise, because I mean, like I'm in India and I really, really, really appreciate your grace. I really appreciate your patience and I really appreciate you understanding that this podcast is not perfect and still showing up and listening to it and giving it the opportunity to add value to your life, giving me the opportunity to be in your life as not perfect as I am. And I am looking forward in the future to improving and, you know, building my business even more and hiring someone to edit these podcasts and to make them even better for your listening enjoyment. But until then, I will babble to you tomorrow. All right. Sending a lot of love. Thank you so much. Oh.